0: Kind of the theme of my career has been I've been so, like, naive that I didn't know things that were impossible were impossible, and just everything seemed possible to me.
1: I'm Eleanor Bennett, and I'm here with... Stephanie Roush, and you're listening to... Reconnecting. Reconnecting. This is a podcast about technology.
2: This is also a podcast about our generation...
1: Millennials. We are the last generation to grow up knowing what the world was like without the internet at our fingertips.
2: Yet, we've also become tech addicts. Our addiction to technology is changing the way we think, act, and relate to one another. It's making our lives easier. But does easier mean better?
1: Sometimes technology makes us feel lonely.
2: But it also makes us feel loved and connected.
1: Welcome to episode three.
2: In this episode, we speak with Ashley McCollum about the Facebook video recipe craze. She's a good one to talk to about this because she's the global general manager of BuzzFeed's social
0: food brand, Tasty. Um, I've been at BuzzFeed for about five years, which um, is like dog years um, on, on the internet. So it feels like forever. Steph and I got to go to BuzzFeed's
1: New York headquarters to interview Ashley. As you might expect, the offices were pretty cool.
2: They're pretty much exactly the kind of millennial social first paradise that you would imagine the BuzzFeed offices to be. The conference room that Eleanor and I interviewed Ashley in was called TGIF.
1: Mom, that's, thank God it's Friday. Okay, back to Ashley. Ashley started on the BuzzFeed news team as a publicist. She's worked in almost every department, moving from strategy to business development. Then she became the chief of staff for BuzzFeed's CEO. And finally, about a year ago, she became the general manager of Tasty.
2: One thing that struck us both about Ashley was her confidence. And that confidence didn't come from thin air. Ashley grew up participating in beauty pageants.
0: You know, I could tell there was this, like, idea that, like, women and beauty pageants was this, like, terrible thing. And I personally was in them and, like, felt like I grew a ton of confidence because of the work I'd done in beauty pageants. I learned how to do interviews. Um, I learned uh, how to communicate. Um, I, you know, I had to like deliver under pressure and like I never was in the like ones where you have to have like the swimsuits or whatever it wasn't ever in in my experience it never felt like it was about your body in any way um and so I think that you know when you're a little girl growing up and like there's like a school beauty pageant that has nothing you know that if 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 anything, just the fact that you're on stage in front of hundreds of people for the first time in your life, it becomes a pivotal moment for you. And so, yeah, I just I didn't, you know, I grew up as a tomboy and didn't know that you I could also be intelligent and beautiful all at the same time. And so I think pageants helped me do that. Another
1: great Ashley story is the story of how she got her summer internship at NBC Universal during college. She used some very unconventional tactics, but they worked.
0: Yeah, so um, it is like the story that will never leave me. That's for sure. Like, I tell the story, like, I feel like twice a day. So I was, um, again, I grew up in a small town in South Carolina. um, Didn't have, you know, went to a small liberal arts school. Did not study media. um, And at the point in my life where I decided I wanted to be in media, had no contacts, no connections, no way in. Literally zero way in. And kind of the theme of my career has been I've been so naive that I didn't know things that were impossible were impossible and I, just everything seemed possible to me um, and so I flew up to visit a friend who was studying in New York um, for a semester and I th- in my head I said well I'm going to be this close to the to the today show like of course I should be able to get a job um, this is before social media this is before you had LinkedIn. um, And so there was very few ways to be able to connect unless you actually had a contact or had, you know, done some previous work there or something like that. And so I went to a Today Show um, Toyota concert series. It was a Friday morning, very early. Um, Sean Kingston was playing, if anyone remembers him. And so I stood outside um, the show uh, with a a sign. It was um, cut out in the shape of a girl and a dress. Pearls I glued onto it and it was a pink dress and a blue ribbon, I think. Um, and it said this Southern bell wants to be NBC's next summer intern. And I held it up during commercial breaks because I didn't care about being on TV. I wanted the producers to see it and I wanted to get noticed by them. And so, um, one of the, one of the commercial breaks, the executive producer of the show, um, at the time, Jim Bell, um, came over and, and met me and handed him my resume and my cover letter with that date on it. And, um, Actually did not get the job on the spot, uh, which is usually that part gets cut out of the story. Um, so I actually had to kind of like stalk him for five months and like try every email address I could and like call as many people that's, you know, like I could find on the Internet. Finally, he reached back out to me and said, oh, I do remember you. And, and like, would you want to be an intern? Of course, I accepted
2: I love this story because it reminds me of what my mom used to say to me about getting internships or jobs. She was always like, you just need to knock on people's doors. And I would always be like, mom, this is not the 80s. These places have security and they will throw you out.
1: Yeah, my parents were always like, just pick up the phone and call. They'll give you a job. And I was like, mom, dad, that's not how things work these days. But Ashley was lucky enough to get a job offer from NBC after she graduated. So maybe it does work. And then eventually she moved to BuzzFeed, where Tasty, the internet video cooking sensation, was born.
0: Yeah, so, you know, people assume that we sat in a boardroom, um, like the one we're sitting in now, and said, you know, we really need a, you know, CPG Food & Bev ad product. um, And so we need to grow this page and, like, let's put a team of experts and like, let's go poach someone from Bon Appetit and, and do it. Um, and that's totally the opposite of what our team did. So Facebook video was in its infancy. Um, people were still not sure about how much to invest in that platform. Back then, I, I remember talking to like TV executives and they were like, oh, let's do like one video a month on Facebook. And and our um, CEO and our the president of our entertainment group, Zay, Just decided to go all in and, um, and really like lean into Facebook video. So they put a small team of about three people. I think it ended up being around five, um, So, a small team of five people who were their job was to crack Facebook video. Their job was not to crack food. It was not to build an ad product. It was not to build a page called Tasty. It was just figure out what it is um, that will make someone share a video on on Facebook. Right now, it seems very intuitive because Facebook video on Facebook is very like um, much a part of our lives. But When Facebook video really started people didn't really know like would you put your headphones in to listen to the sound like it's not like YouTube where it's episodic and long form and the format is different and this is like a weird square Um, and so it was just not totally intuitive um, as it is now so that team. Went to really crack that at the time the the um, amount of time uh, that really performed very well on um, Facebook was 40 seconds. So that team was called FB40, and that's what they were cracking. The first thing they landed on was food, um, and I think that's largely because you don't need sound um, to understand what's happening in a in a video with food in it. Um, you don't actually need language, like and you language makes. The video better but you don't have to have language to understand what you know th- the video um, and so it was post literate and Facebook is particularly global and so these videos you know really started taking off across the world and doing and started doing very well and so they said okay you know we should turn this into a thing we should make it into a page by the way also m- meanwhile there is a team in New York totally separate from this team um, shooting, uh, shooting very similar videos just with their cell phones um, and they were in, you know, a test kitchen here, and they would shoot something with their iPhones. Um, and, and it was totally taking off on Instagram, and then they would turn it into a Facebook video. Um, so really two teams contributed um, to that, and then ultimately that turned into Tasty, which was a standalone Facebook page. At that time, it was also crazy um, to build a page that wasn't connected to the BuzzFeed name. Um, really, that was a test of our own um, abilities. Um, Could we, we talked a lot of game about having this like amazing, sophisticated publishing system um, and this big engine, Um, but we had never tested ourselves. Everything was tied back to BuzzFeed, at least with the BuzzFeed name on it. People kind of knew what you were doing, but could we launch an, like a brand new piece of intellectual property that wasn't connected to our existing intellectual property and grow it? Um, and so all those tests worked, all those bets worked. And, um, and a lot of times these things happen because the timing is right. Um, but, uh, so yeah, that's how it started.
2: So I think this is another theme of Ashley's career and the trajectory of Tasty timing, especially in media. When you do something that pops or goes viral, it's
0: usually about the timing. You know, sometimes people come too early. They're just as good and just as strategic and, and, Get the internet and, and you know in a real way and it's and you can be too early um and then you many many people are too late um right like so a lot of it is about you know i think what our leaders do for us is i often joke is that jonah our ceo can see around corners and so he knows what's coming and he sets up the entire you know organization to be prepared um, prepared for that um and so It's all about hitting at the right time.
1: While timing played a big role in the creation and growth of Tasty, it has remained the biggest food brand on Facebook because of its ability to keep up with the current trends in the space.
2: In the world of social media, attention and time are currency. I've heard it called, quote, the battle for eyeballs.
0: Um, where Tasty started as kind of food-porny, Pinterest-y, aspirational, um, you know, crazy food videos. And now, you know, some of our biggest videos are like, um, you know, an avocado salad that has this interesting dressing on it or, you know, meal prep on Sundays. And it's really shifted to like, is, you know, really leaning into like the fact that you use it in your real life, which was never the goal. And so I, you know, I had, there was a CMO of this company the other day who said, that she was working on like a plan two years from now and this thing she was building from two years from now. And she said, what do you think the trend is going to be in food? And I was like, it's kind of hard to think about that far out. But I was like, I was like, honestly, like healthy, healthier food. I was like, I think the more people are aware of what they're eating, the more they're going to, you know, choose balance. And I think that tasty has kind of been the tip of the spear. And that the irony of that is that tasty is definitely not known as like a healthy, brand um but you know over time has like really kind of transitioned into like what i would consider as like a balanced um balanced food or balanced brand
1: when we asked ashley what surprised her most about building tasty her biggest surprise was when she realized how powerful the brand had become a
2: big part of Tasty's success as a cooking brand is due to the fact that they flip most brand conventions on their heads
0: Martha Stewart says, these are the 100 recipes that you should make. And her authority is the thing um, that you buy the cookbook for, right? Tasty isn't quite an authority brand in that way. I believe the authority comes from your friend who shares it with you. If you share it with your significant other and he or she sees it, then you're more li- that person is more likely to want to cook it because you shared it, not necessarily because we did. A great example of this is a tasty
1: cookbook. Another concept they kind of flipped on its head.
2: What makes the Tasty Cookbook a novel concept is that you customize it for yourself or for someone else, and it's printed on demand. Basically, you choose from different categories like hangover or avocado meals or whatever weird food recipes you happen to love. And if you're creating it for someone special, you can even customize the inside cover with a little note for them.
0: So, yep. In four weeks, we were able to launch a cookbook. It was still a huge risk. Total um, experiment. Like we just, I would have never thought that I'd even be talking about this right now. Um, we expected 10,000 orders. Um, we, uh, we got up to 150,000 orders. Um, and most of that was in five weeks of Q4. The Tasty Cookbook
1: was a wild success, and an unanticipated one at that. Tasty's next foray into physical products is a smart induction cooktop that they just announced. The device connects directly with the Tasty app to help you cook any tasty recipe perfectly.
2: When I showed Eleanor the Tasty Cookbook website, she was super excited about it. Eleanor, how excited are you about the cooktop?
1: Well, I'm not a very good cook. And I want to learn. So I actually think I might be the target audience for it. Cooking in a single pan and not having to worry about cook time or temperature might make cooking a lot less stressful for me.
2: Ugh, you are such a millennial. (laughs) But back to Ashley. I think it's interesting that most of her professional success has been linked to the virality of recipe videos on Facebook. We were curious if she thinks that Tasty videos play any role in bringing people together on the internet. She does. And she has a great story to prove it.
0: A week ahead of Valentine's Day or something like that. Two weeks ahead or one week ahead. So, she, so a commenter wrote um, a comment on a chocolate fudge brownie cheesecake video. It was beautiful, by the way. Um, if uh, To all the uh, Tasty audience, which was assuming it was a big global audience, um, and the comment said, if you um, all could write, David, my love for you is so big, it reached blank, then take a picture and post it in the comments. Thank you so much. I mean, we get hundreds of thousands of comments, you know, a week. And so I just was so amazed that this comment kind of like bubbled up to the top. And then, and, you know, hundreds of people took pictures and it was like Australia and Berlin and, you know, people all over the world um, doing this thing that like, we didn't even set it up. Like we didn't even like help make it happen. She totally did it. It was just the, her knowing, you know, this one user knowing um, that we had this big global audience and like this community kind of like circled around this like funny um, thing but to me it just like spoke to the power of the global audience which we never kind of like felt in that way before.
2: I love that story. I mean it's not something that I would ever do but it's really cool that that sort of internet community exists.
1: Yeah I agree and after Ashley told us that story we asked her about her own personal experience with tech and whether it makes her feel more lonely or more connected.
0: I mean, I think that technology cannot replace your emotions and, you know, the emotions you feel, whether it's lonely or, you know, you know, joy um, or, or some other emotion you feel, um, more likely than not, the internet probably makes those feelings stronger. And so if you're feeling lonely, then um, the internet might make you feel even more lonely because... You know, you see people doing things on that, that aren't with you. And if you are, you know, feeling content and happy, the internet can probably make you feel more content and happy. So I, I think that it probably is just like a micro uh, microscope on, on whatever it is you, you feel in, inside. I would say for myself, I don't, I don't feel lonely. I think we all, I think we definitely all have moments where you look around the table and everyone's on their phones and I, I, I don't It doesn't bother me. so. Bad. I mean, certainly I, I take those opportunities to say like, okay, guys, let's put down our phones. And, you know, the best vacations I've ever had are ones where I didn't ever check my email. And so I think it's about a balanced life and the way we all make choices about the time we spend in our, on our, in, you know, in our lives. And, but me personally, I think the internet makes me feel more connected um, and not less.
1: I think Ashley hits the nail on the head here. It's not whether technology is making us more lonely or making us more connected. It's almost like it's just a reflection of whatever we're feeling inside. And I do think it can exaggerate those feelings of loneliness or connectedness, but I don't think it creates them. I think it's up to us.
2: Yeah, I think she brings up a good point here and like maybe we're not actually asking the right question is technology making us feel alone, more lonely or more connected? It's the question is why, why is technology making us feel more lonely or more connected? And how can we like gain more insight and control over these feelings that we have? I mean, for me, I know that I tend to look at my phone more when I'm bored or when I'm alone and both, both during both those times for me, it's like, If I see someone is on like a sweet vacation in Croatia, I'm going to feel kind of shitty about it if I'm like sitting alone in my room, sweating it out in the New York City summer. But it's a matter of like managing those feelings and knowing when I'm having a great time with my friends in a few hours, I'm not even going to be thinking about that Instagram post or my phone or any of that.
1: Exactly. So I guess it's our decision. Ultimately, we're going to have to make decisions in our lives of whether we want to feel more lonely or more connected and shape the technology instead of letting it shape us
2: yeah i think it's about it's about resisting that desire to sort of play into your own pettiness and your own stupid sadness when you have five minutes alone on a subway platform. Life is short and life is long, but a year from now, most of the things that are happening on the internet today will not matter.
1: Yeah, Steph, imagine how many podcast episodes we could crank out with all the time that we spend scrolling through our Facebook news feeds.
2: Sound like a 50-year-old woman.
1: <laughs> all right.
2: How do we end it? So that was episode three. Episode four and five are going to be coming out soon. We're not going to give you a specific date because... We're non-committal of millennials.
1: But we will tell you that episode four is about dating apps. So if you have a good dating story, reach out to us. We're still creating it, and we'd love to hear from you. So stay tuned. Big thank you to our friend Eric Benepe for our theme music. And another big thank you to
2: our dear friend Sabina Holloway for creating our beautiful logo.
1: Um, If you could be any animal in the world, what animal would you be?
0: definitely a horse because horses are bo- are like beautiful are a mode of transportation and at one point in time was also like meat and sustenance for and for societies and I think and also my favorite artist is Degas and he's done lots of work on horses and I think they're beautiful like animals definitely a horse